0: Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Doctor Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book Men Alive. Jim, the Bible talks a lot about liars and deceivers. How are we to respond to them?
1: Paul, a real quick story. A while back, you and I were visiting a radio ministry in South Africa. At that same time, back in Canada, my wife Rita had a car accident.
0: I remember that night. We were both rejoicing that she was okay. But the car was severely
1: damaged. Rita was at a four-way intersection that had a flashing red light. She stopped and looked. The intersection was clear. She made a turn and was just about out of the intersection when an oncoming car went past the stop sign and smashed into the passenger side of her car, pushing her into the ditch. The police were called. Both cars could not be driven out of the intersection. Two tow trucks were required. Good news is that neither driver was injured. The first witness to stop was a trained first responder. He said, I saw the whole accident. You stopped and made a legal turn. The other driver went through the stop sign and T-boned your car. I will be your witness. I have been to numerous accidents as a first responder, he said, and I know that people sometimes give a false report to avoid accepting liability for their actions. Two weeks later, the insurance company said, We must do further investigations because the other driver is claiming no fault and said your wife pulled in front of their car.
0: Wait, Jim. I thought you said it was a four-way stop with a flashing red light. I did. If the other driver legally stopped, how could they get their vehicle up to speed within three meters to hit your wife's car so hard and do thousands of dollars of damage? And... How could the other driver claim your wife was at fault? Someone is not telling the truth. Is this where we now talk about how to respond wisely to liars and deceivers?
1: Good segue, Pablo. There's a great example found in the Hebrew Bible. The Israelites had miraculously crossed the Jordan River on dry ground when the river was at its maximum flood stage. Some 600,000 men plus women and children were now in the land promised to them by God. Ahead was the city of Jericho. Fast forward. They marched around the walled city once a day for seven days, blowing ram's horns. And then on the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times and shouted aloud. The walls collapsed and they conquered the city. Now we pick up our story. When the people of Gibeon heard that Joshua had defeated Jericho and Ai, They resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered sandal bags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. They arrived at the camp of the Israelites at Gilgal and told Joshua, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us.
0: Jim, I hate to interrupt your story, but these Gibeonites were telling barefaced lies and practicing
1: deception. Agreed. But what happens next is most interesting. The Israelites replied to these Hivites, How do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. Oh, they replied, we are your servants. But who are you, Joshua demanded. Where did you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, the king of Heshbon and the king of Bashan. So our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants, please make a treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes, but now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open, and our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. As an aside, that's more lies and more deception. But look what happens next. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. There's the key lesson. They did not consult the Lord. They decided this group was telling the truth based on human logic. Their bread was moldy. They must be telling the truth. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath.
0: Listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from Go Teach Global. Send your comments and suggestions for future programs to men Alive unto God at gmail.com. That's men Alive unto God at gmail.com. Now back to Dr. Jim's story.
1: Three days after making the treaty, the leaders of Israel learned that these people with whom they had made the treaty lived nearby. They set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days. But the Israelites did not attack the towns, for the Israelite leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, Since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live, for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community as the Israelite leaders directed. Joshua called together the Gibeonites and said, Why did you lie to us? Why did you say that you lived in a distant land when you lived right here among us? May you be cursed. From now on you will always be servants who cut wood and carry water for the house of my God. They replied, we did it because we, your servants, were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you this entire land and to destroy all the people living in it. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you. That is why we have done this. Now we are at your mercy. Do to us whatever you think is right.
0: The Bible says the Israelites examined the food of the Gibeonites, but they did not consult the Lord. That's one clue for how to discern a liar and a deceiver. We need to consult the Lord, the God of truth.
1: And here's a second clue. Even if someone lies to us or deceives us, we must be wise in how we respond. Look what Joshua did. Joshua called together the Gibeonites and said, Why did you lie to us? Why did you say you lived in a distant land when you lived right here among us? May you be cursed from now on you will always be servants who cut wood and carry water for the house of my God. A tragic response. It appears that Joshua did not consult the Lord before he punished the Gibeonites. Instead, he made the Gibeonites servants who cut wood and carried water for the house of the Lord. How ironic! The very people God wanted destroyed for unfaithfulness and heathen practices for not acknowledging the God of the Bible are now cutting wood and carrying water into the holiest place the Lord has set aside for worshiping the true God.
0: People appear willing to lie when they're fearful of losing their lives or being found guilty of doing wrong.
1: Joshua made a mistake he did not consult the Lord first and made a wrong decision. Then, in frustration or anger at being lied to and deceived, he made a second wrong decision. Again, apparently, without consulting the Lord. This borders on what the psalmist calls presumptuous sin. That's when one lacks discernment and makes a hasty decision or a decision in anger that is contrary to God's Word. Journalist Malcolm Gladwell's classic book called Blink says the following, There can be as much value in the blink of an eye as in months of rational analysis. Meaning, our first impression of someone's character is often as valuable as spending more time with the person. Notice that Joshua had a small twinge of suspicion what Gladwell calls a blink. And he asked the lying Gibeonites, How do we know you don't live nearby? But regrettably, Joshua overruled his first blink and decided to believe their story without consulting the Lord. Notice, men, that when we are deceived or sometimes lied to as a betrayal of trust, it destroys a potentially healthy relationship and generates anger. And that is what happened to Joshua. His second decision appears to have been based on anger.
0: Let me get this straight. A second wrong decision cannot make a former wrong decision right?
1: You got it, Pablo. There are over 100 verses in the Bible that speak against telling lies. Jesus told the religious Pharisees in John 8:44, You are the children of your father the devil and you love to do the evil things he does. He, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. God is viewed as a God of love, but there are few things that God hates. Psalm 5 says God hates all who do evil those who tell lies and murderers and deceivers. In Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceives you. In the last days there will be deceivers. Paul, I love the title of your new book, Living Like a Lamb Among 21st Century Wolves. You share insights about how to balance grace and truth without having to lie and deceive. Your years of conferring with Christians in regions of persecution has given you valuable insights for how Christian lambs can endure and be victorious among 21st century wolves. As a kindred spirit friend for over 60 years, we have shared many travels and teaching ministries together. I can confirm for our listeners that you not only write about grace and truth, you also model what you believe to your family, friends, and I've witnessed your grace with a few totalitarian border guards. Your book contains valuable transformative life lessons. Give us a quick overview.
0: When Jesus sent out 72 disciples on a mission trip in Luke chapter 10, he said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Not very encouraging imagery. Lambs are vulnerable animals, especially in the presence of predatory wolves. The only protection sheep have is staying close to the shepherd. The 72, however, all came safely home rejoicing that in Jesus' name, they even had power over the demons. How should we respond today when polar opposite worldviews are endlessly hostile and confrontational, and when they seemingly are intent on eliminating us from public dialogue and discourse? How should we respond to modern-day wolves and to each other? Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd and Master, is described at the beginning of John's Gospel as having two prominent character qualities. He was full of grace and truth. Balancing these two today is a key to living like a lamb among 21st century wolves. The book is available on castlekeybooks.com. Key is spelled Q-U-A-Y. CastleKeyBooks.com, as well as Amazon.com and Amazon.ca.
1: Thanks, Paul. Balancing grace and truth against liars and deceivers will be recurring themes until our Lord returns and makes all things new. We must be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in a world where people fear taking responsibility for their actions. A world where deceptive people drive through stop signs and then say it was the other driver's fault.
0: There you have it, men. When you consult God, there are ways to deal with liars and deceivers. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. Visit our website at goteachglobal.com. Send your comments to alive unto God at gmail.com. And also send us suggestions and questions you would like considered for future programs. MenAliveIntoGod at gmail.com Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Esterbrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become Men Alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ.